I'm Christina Jurekides, and we're committed to making the seemingly impossible possible. We stand at the intersection of the values of humanity with the value of technology. Inspire for Impact, the podcast, is a place where we have conversations with inspirational entrepreneurs, community leaders, and representatives of organisations who are boldly creating a future by design. The good, the bad, the warts, and the inspiration. We're leading the way to be the change we want to see in the world. Conversations that bring to light the magic that is happening on a daily basis all over the globe. And welcome everyone to another episode of Inspired for Impact. This week we have an amazing return guest for you. We are speaking with Maladin from Bindi Maps. Maladin is the co-founder and chief commercial officer at Bindi Maps. He's also the founder and CEO at Teaching Startups to Fish. Love the title. We'll find out more about that uh, in just a moment. Maladin has been a long time, and Bindi Maps have been a long time partner um, involved with Singularity U Australia. So welcome, Maladin. It's absolutely wonderful for us to have you back again. Thank you so much, Christina. It's always a pleasure speaking with you. And can you start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you ended up uh, on the journey that you're on? Yeah, sure. So uh, you mentioned my name is Maladin. I'm Chief Commercial Officer, sort of didn't really fall into my lap. Um, I started on the entrepreneurial journey. Uh, it was about six years ago now um, where I came up with an idea for a two-sided marketplace within the construction industry where builders and contractors are able to hire subcontractors quickly and easily. Um, and then while I was on that journey, I ended up meeting uh, Anna Wright, who was uh, just starting out a small company called Banjo Maps at the time. Um, and Anna had an awesome idea to help people who are blind to navigate indoor spaces. Uh, after learning about Anna's mission and, and what she set out to accomplish, I uh, took a great interest and started learning more about the space and um, definitely knew it was something I wanted to get involved with. So I decided to go full ball with Anna as a co-founder in Banjo Maps, which is now called Bindi Maps. And uh, here we are. So I started off actually as a chief operating officer at the company. Um, that's when we had a much smaller team and so many different things needed to be done. But as the company has developed, uh, we all decided to start specializing in certain areas and growing the team. So that's when I pivoted more towards the chief commercial officer role. I love it. And, and we've had an involvement. You've actually been to some of the Singularity U Australia boot camps with us. Um, we're going to talk today about finding our way in an increasingly complex world. Uh, but for Bindi Maps, it's actually literally finding your way through an increasingly complex world. And I, I love Anna's backstory. So could you share a little bit about the backstory and then exactly what Bindi Maps is and what you do? Yeah, sure. So Anna got the idea for Banjo Maps um, after a diagnosis she received where the doctors pretty much said, you're going to go blind, it's a matter of time. Um, and then Anna started thinking, you know, how am I going to take my kids to the shopping center or how am I going to go to work and all sorts of other crazy ideas would have come up as, as you can imagine. Uh, and then Anna started thinking, well, how am I actually going to go to these places? Uh, is there something that allows me to navigate these unfamiliar spaces uh, without, you know, having to rely on someone else to walk me through? So the key thing is independence, right? You, you want to be able to do these things independently. Um, and then Anna started exploring these different technologies, went through an accelerator program to figure out how we can actually make this happen. Um, and then when we landed on an, an idea, we just started iterating. We hired an awesome team um, that have, they surprised me every day with the, with the amount of work that they put in and, and what they're able to accomplish. Um, and, and then that's, that's actually how we got us to where we are today. So uh, Bindi Maps started off, actually the first name was Banjo Maps um, when we started the company. 
so that was the name of Anna's dog, and it was also an acronym for what we did. So beacon assisted navigation and journey orientation, Banjo. Uh, and we, when we started the company, we, we were specifically focused on helping people who are blind to navigate indoor spaces. Um, so it was mainly an auditory solution that we were delivering where the app would essentially, it is an app-based solution, by the way, uh, and, and the app would essentially talk you through your journey every step of the way, while also filling in all of the gaps that, that are usually missed by people who are blind when they navigate indoors. So, you know, uh, when you're walking past a hairdresser or, or a particular store within a shopping center, you, you may see that, but if you're someone who's blind, you, you, don't, you don't have that luxury. So you're not able to see that store. So what Banjo Maps did at the time was it, it told you what you were passing, where you were going and so on. Uh, but now uh, we've changed the name to Bindi Maps. Um, so that change came about because we wanted to start talking more about why we do what we do. Uh, and I mentioned before, it's all about restoring independence. Um, so Bindi is short for be independent. Um, and now we've also started exploring other ways of helping even more people, uh, not just people who are blind. So we've added you know, features in the app for, for people in wheelchairs to find accessible routes or, or people with autism to pre-plan their journey or avoid high noise areas, for example. So we're always looking to increase the number of features that we have in the app to also allow for more people to utilize the app and, and navigate, navigate our world independently. And I love the fact that it has had that that process of development and that you have grown and technology has allowed you um, to do this. And in fact, you're not just doing one building anymore, you're doing whole cities. So I'd love you to talk us through that. Um, I, I never forget the first time you pitched uh, to us and you said your opening words were, what would it be like if you couldn't find a toilet on your own? And that and everybody, everybody can um, can relate to that statement. And, and it was a very strong, powerful narrative to open up with. So in this land of, of complexity, um, where it is quite confusing for some of us to find our way around new cities, et cetera, um, and new environments, can you explain a little bit more about how that not only has it progressed to helping people with autism and helping people with disabilities, but it's also progressed to encompassing whole cities? Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, you'd be surprised at how much of our world is actually indoors. Um, so we, we did we ran some numbers recently, and we found that about 15.5 million square kilometers of the Earth's surface is indoors. So just to put that into perspective, Australia is 7.69 million square kilometers. So that's twice the size of all the landmass on Australia is indoors. Uh, and for us to not have a system to be able to help people find their way around indoors is, it, I mean. It's unbelievable. So that, that's just having that simple solution to help people find their way around shopping centers and hospitals is already adding immense value. But now we've even started looking at, as you mentioned, mapping entire cities. So we haven't gotten to that scale yet where we can map all of Sydney. But what we've started doing is once we map an indoor location, we start looking at all the different transport hubs or all the different local areas where people may get off and try and find their way to the building and then inside the building. Now, Google Maps, Apple Maps, and, and many other mapping providers, they, they provide a service which, which gives you that sort of street level accuracy where you're able to get to the building or to the particular store. But we've really taken it to that next level where we can give you the exact floor level accuracy or floor to point level accuracy, where we can tell you you're on level seven of a Westfields and you, you need to go to that particular store. Now, there are different technologies we use to be able to accomplish that, but just, 
having that feature available has, I mean, it's a multi-billion dollar industry when you're looking at wayfinding in, in, indoor, in indoor places. And there are many, many problems that come out of not being able to find your way around indoors. So, you know, in hospitals, there were studies done where it's costing over 350 million euros per year for one hospital uh, in missed appointments, for example, that was in Europe. Um, so, I mean, th there's a lot of value that we're actually adding by installing this system. And it's now, as you said, we're trying to make it grow and have it on, have citywide deployment where no matter where you go, we can give you that hyper-local localization. So from indoor to outdoor areas. And I love the fact that, you know, Peter Diamandis is off, says many times, if you want to become a billionaire, help a billion people. Uh, and the fact that you're, that you're finding ways to actually help people, enrich people's lives, make people's lives easier. But there's also that economic benefit to the organisations that are doing it. And it's such a simple installation process. Um, can you talk us through a little bit about the installation process itself? Yeah, when we explain to people what we're actually able to do with the app, um, there are so many thoughts that instantly come up around, oh, you know, this is going to cost millions of dollars to implement and it's going to take so much time. Uh, but it's actually really simple. Um, it's, it's a really cost-effective solution that delivers so much value. So on the installation side, all we need from our customers is just a set of scaled floor plans for a building and access. Uh, and that's also another key thing that separates us from any other mapping providers. We take care of the entire installation process and we can actually get even a major shopping center will be live and operational within 24 hours. Uh, whereas most other mapping providers require the building owners to do all of the work, at Bindi Maps, we do all of the work. Uh, and that's what makes it so quick. And that's how we're able to maintain that level of quality control. So we know all of that information is up to date. We know all the routing algorithms are working properly. And we know from, from the development process where we're working with people who are blind and, and people of all abilities, we know that all of those routes and all of the information that we put into the app is 100% accurate and delivers the most value. Maladin, you mentioned earlier that you've got this most amazing team. Um, can you give our listeners a bit of insight into how you hire um, and then how you keep your team inspired? That is a great question. Um, so we have been very, very fortunate with our hires. Uh, and when I say very fortunate, it, I feel like we're sucking a lot of the talent out from the market when we hire people. It, it, it's unbelievable the things that our team has been able to accomplish. And the way that we started off was um, we first had uh, Tony Burrett, who's our chief product officer. So Tony ended up coming on board as, as a co-founder to the company after working with Anna at, at Blue Chili on the initial proof of concept and the MVP. Uh, and then Tony did so much work to hire the, the tech team that we have on board around. And, and that was mostly through networks, I believe. Um, so the first hire was through a networking event and then it was just going on person to person. And it's always, I mean, it always works like that. If you, if you get along with someone and, and you know that you've worked with them and, and they're delivering above average results, like way above average, uh, and they recommend someone, uh, it's usually a good sign. Um, so that's mostly how we've been working so far. Now that we're starting to scale, um, and we're going to be looking to hire, you know, tens or hundreds of people in the future. I'm not sure that that's going to be able to be replicated across the globe, um, but we're definitely going to try our hardest. Um, how do we keep them inspired? That is a great question. Um, we've got a very collaborative work environment. Uh, everyone always posts on Slack what they're doing, even now that we're working from home. Um, we've got a channel where everyone updates, updates each other. This is what I'm going to be doing today. Um, 
we've got different channels set up to allow people to collaborate on different tasks. And I think that the overall vision of the company and what we're trying to accomplish in general around, you know, helping people of all abilities navigate all environments. Um, I think that's, I mean, I, I can't really speak for everyone, but in my opinion, I think that's a big driver for the team, knowing that they're actually making an impact and every single bit of work that they do is not just, you know, filling for them, but it's transforming other people's lives and allowing people to experience that independence and go to the shopping centres and hospitals and wherever they need to go. It really is a bit of a turnaround, isn't it? Because once upon a time, way back when, um, you know, a long, long time ago, I wish it was a long, long time ago. For, for some people, it's still current. Uh, but that whole idea about enjoying what you do, being of service and then getting paid for it as well, uh, was kind of like, oh, no, you can't actually get paid for something that you like doing and, you you know, anything that you do to help people is all on a volunteer basis. But more and more businesses uh, are focused on that social impact and the effect that, that their businesses can have on other people in a positive way. And I know you mentioned to me not long ago that you had some kind of measure as to how many people that you would impact. Can you share that with our listeners? Yeah, sure. So I think when we first crossed paths, our goal was to impact, from memory, 256 million people across the globe. Um, and that was when we just started off focusing on people who are blind or vision impaired. Like they, these are the lives that we want to transform and, and th this is our target market. Um, but as time went on, we started expanding our product and, and thinking about how do we impact even more people and more people and more people. So now we've added, you know, I mentioned earlier all the features around uh, wheelchair accessible routes and then helping people with autism and there, there are so many different things that we're working on now to allow us to expand that. And I think the last time we ran our numbers, it was about 1.4 billion people um, that were able to impact with the different features that we have in our app currently. Um, and again, we're always trying to improve that and always trying to increase the number of people that we're able to impact across the globe. I love that. Um, so let, let's move to, uh, to, to, um, if you want to help people, you know, don't give them a basket load full of fish, teach them how to fish. You have um, teaching startups, how, um, teaching startups to fish uh, as another business. Can you explain how that came about and what kind of impact you're after to have um, with that um, of what you're doing now? Yeah, sure. So I started teaching startups to fish recently. Um, and that was because so I've been an entrepreneur in residence at the Melbourne Accelerator Program for the past few years. And I've seen, and, and I've always been speaking to people at, at other accelerator programs, and I've seen that nine out of 10, sometimes 10 out of 10 of the startups that go through accelerator programs, uh, especially in the scale-up phase, sales is one of their top three goals, if not the top goal. Um, but what I find is that sales is very broad, and it's probably one of the most uneducated professions in the world. Um, so it's very hard to get the most essential and impactful information quickly and easily to allow you to scale your business. And that's exactly why I started teaching startups to fish because after seeing that there are so many common problems and after from seven out of 10 of the startups that I'll speak to will face the exact same problems and have those same hurdles. Uh, so what I've decided to do with teaching startups to fish is create the most essential sales course for startup founders, which will, it doesn't go into any advanced techniques or any, you know, uh, any closing lines or anything cliche that you usually get out of books or, or you know, hear on the see on the internet. 
it really goes into the nitty gritty of how do you create a pipeline? How do you create your first scripts? And how do you start getting your first few sales in the door? Uh, and with startup founders, they don't have weeks to learn this stuff or years or you know months or whatever it is. We've essentially broken this down into a two and a half hour course that once it's finished, the following week, you'll be able to start implementing everything. You don't need to overhaul your entire business. Within a week, you will start reaching out to people, booking in your meetings and getting the sales through the door. Now, sales isn't the only problem. Um, and that's also what we're going to start addressing in the future, things around entrepreneurial finance, accounting. I mean, I'm super lucky to know so many people that are very, very experienced in the space. So we're already starting to think about how do we create, you know, a one or two hour course that after watching it, you'll be able to get all of your accounting and finance in mind. And there's also another one that I'm thinking about coming up. I get so many people reaching out to me saying, hey, you know, we're not entrepreneurs. We're not, we don't know anything about startups, but I have an awesome idea. What do I do? Uh, and up until now, my best response was, hey, I'll put you in touch with this accelerator program or this incubator, or, you know, I'll, I'll point you in that direction. Uh, but I think there's a better way. I think that if we give people as much information as possible in the shortest timeframes, in, in the shortest period possible, they'll be able to start using that to start taking those next steps up until they get to that stage of being ready for an accelerator. Uh, so, I mean, that's, that, that's the idea behind the company. And we're really just trying to make, remove as many barriers to entry into the startup space as possible, because the more people that are in innovation, the better for the world. Absolutely. And, and so we're very much aligned with it. So we run a, we run a, a, a short course based on design thinking that's ideation to execution. Um, so it is very much so that I've got an idea, what do I do with it? And we run them through some design thinking principles uh, along the way. But there's many aspects of being an entrepreneur. And it's not just having the idea, it's developing the idea, it's testing it, it's getting it out there in the market. Um, as you say, it's how do you then sell it? So it's one thing to walk into a, an established organization as a salesperson, because you have the product and you know the attrib attributes of that product that you need to sell and that are going to appeal to people. Uh, but as an entrepreneur and you're trying to find what that narrative is, what that dialogue is, I think that that's a wonderful um, thing that you're helping people uh, pull apart. I'd just like to, to hone it in a little bit to you. Recently, you were uh, announced as a 30 under 30 in the Forbes list. How did that, how did that feel? Um, and what, what opportunities have opened up from that situation? Um, I actually remember the feeling like, like it was yesterday. So this was when I was still living in Melbourne. Um, I remember waking up and I, it was, I think it was a couple of days before my birthday, actually, or a day before my birthday or something like that. Um, and I opened an email and I saw it and it was, oh, the feeling was surreal. I mean, it was, that was one of the things when I had my bucket list, I wrote my bucket list out about three or four years ago. Uh, be on Forbes 30 under 30 was definitely written and it was the most exciting feeling just ticking that off. Uh, but in saying that, I, I mean, that was not just credit to me. Definitely not. I'm like a tiny little screw or a nut in this big machine that is built pretty much by everyone at Bindi Maps. Um, so I, I was given that uh, Forbes 30 under 30. I, I was honoured with that under the social entrepreneurship category. So social innovation. And so that was a, a direct credit to Bindi Maps. Uh, that, that wasn't to anything I accomplished individually. It was all the team's work. And I think it's a huge kudos to everyone at Bindi Maps that, that actually got that. And I'm super, super thankful. 
I love that you say that, Maladin, but I have to say that I've known you for a few years now. You're quite humble uh, and I know a little bit about your backstory as well. Uh, and I think if you weren't the type of person that you are, A, Bindi Maps wouldn't be where it is either. You probably wouldn't be involved with Bindi Maps uh, and you wouldn't have been awarded that Forbes 30 out of 30. So, you know, you all credit to you. Uh, and we're so proud because we now have two of our uh, two of our you know, early adopter startups, accelerator program, um, global impact challenge competitions that we ran. Two of you are now in the, in the 30 under 30 list. So, you know, that we're so proud uh, of everything that, that our, our community has accomplished. So that's just amazing. Um, so thanks for sharing that with us, but, you know, I'm just going to go, Hey, listeners, this man deserves a whole lot of that credit as well. Uh, so the next thing I want to ask you is how do you go about so one of the big things about being an entrepreneur is that there's this never-ending to-do list. Um, you've now got two, basically, two, two projects, two major projects that you're working on, and they do interrelate together, and that, that I think is a wonderful thing and makes it easier because you're looking at the gaps that exist over here and you're trying to fill them with, with another product here, which makes um, a lot of sense to a lot of people. How, do you, how are you disciplined with your time um, and how do you actually go about planning your day, planning all the tasks that you need to do, because I'm sure there's a lot of people um, that are listening that would love to find out how you're doing it. Uh, that, that's a great question. Um, so up until very recently, I was very go, go, go. I was always forcing. Um, and I've got a performance coach that I was speaking to recently. And, and she said, do you know the difference between uh, power and force? And I was like, no, she's like, well, power is, is you. I mean, you're, you're, you're a big person. You have a lot of power. You're able to get things done. But the problem is when you start working with force is you're always pushing yourself through. You're always trying to get more done, more done, more done. And you're not listening to yourself when it's time to put the brakes on and time to put the gas pedal on in certain areas. So you really got to learn about, you know, your body, your mind, how you react and when it's time to push and when it's time to relax. Um, and that really, I mean, when it comes to dealing with to-do lists, uh, there's, there's, I've, I've got sticky notes all over my laptop and it's a never ending list. Um, and it's just knowing when to press the gas pedal on some and when to ease off others. Uh, and then how do, you, how do you interrelate everything? So you know, what's gonna give you the most value and what's actually gonna tick off other things in your to-do list by doing this one thing. That's what I always look at. You know, The sh shortest amount of time possible, biggest impact. That's what I always look at. How do I have the biggest impact in the shortest amount of time possible? Um, I mean, and that's very broad what I just said, but in, in practice, um, the nitty gritty, what, what, what I actually do, I'm a big fan of the day before. So once your workday is finished, always plan out your next day. Um, and with me in my calendar, I don't just book in meetings, I book in all the different tasks that I need to do. So from morning till night, what am I gonna do? All right, first thing in the morning, 30 minutes reading, 30 minutes summarizing, and then go on next, 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 all the way up until, you know, when's your gym workout scheduled in? So you gotta have that in or whatever it is you do. Um, and then when that's finished, schedule in the next day. Um, but always, and, and I have my sticky notes up and I always schedule them in, you know, what's important, urgent, what's important, but not urgent. And I go through like that. And I always try and work out of the important, but not urgent list. Um, because if you're working out of important and urgent, you're always under stress. You're always trying to get as much done as possible. So if you're working under the important and not urgent, that means you're ahead of your work and you're planning planning ahead. Um, there are so many different, I was listening to a podcast recently about, um, who was it? I think it was the director of Blackbird. 
how he has how he has an Excel spreadsheet um, where he can go back five years on you know the 11th of November at 10:30 a.m. and tell you exactly what what, what he was doing. Um, there are so many different ways to schedule your work and, and, and track it, but I think the most important thing is figure out what works for you. Um, because you know, many things don't work for me and I'm assuming for many people, my strategies won't work for them. I so agree with that. I think it definitely is what is your, what, what pushes your buttons, what gets you going, what satisfies you, what are your body needs? Because we are all different. We're, you know, we're all made up of energy, but we're all made up of energy that's put together in, in different ways, clearly. Um, Maladin, if you could say one thing to inspire future entrepreneurs or inspire any of the listeners to go out there and have an impact, what, what is a lesson or what is a thought that you would like to share and, and potentially leave everybody with? That is a great question. I know because it's for you, it would be which one thing is it? Because <laughs> I'm sure right now you've got like 10 or 15 things just going through your brain going, oh, I'd like to say this and I'd like to say this. What's the first thing you thought of? Uh, the first thing that came to my mind, and I, I'm not even sure if it's the right thing to say, is is is, is be the person your your inner child wanted you to be. Um, so that that to me stuck out. I mean, when when you were a kid, what did you want to do, and what sort of impact did you? It wasn't about making money. It wasn't about you know dominating the world and, or anything like that. It was always about you know I want to help these people. Or I want to I want to be a vet. I want to help animals. Or, and and it's not what I'm saying is don't don't go back to being a fireman unless that's really what you want to do. Um, but what I'm saying is think about what you're passionate about and what sort of impact and, and, and what sort of a book you want to write by the end. Like what what is the what is the impression you want to leave people with? And and you know, how, how do you where you get where are you going to get your fulfillment? I mean, that that's the most important thing. Um, the, the, defini the definition of success changes in so many ways. But to me personally, I think someone who's successful is someone who's fulfilled, um, whether that's by work, by family, by recreational activities. But if you're genuinely happy and fulfilled, um, that, to, that to me is success, to be honest. I love that. And I think that's a beautiful note for us to, to leave our listeners um, with. Maladin, thank you so much for sharing this time with us. Uh, I'm sure we'll be speaking to you again on Inspired for Impact. Uh, in fact, I think we should just book it in for sometime mid next year uh, and catch up and see how Bindi Maps is going and also how, how teaching um, Startups How to Fish is going as well. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us this morning. Thank you so much, Christina. It's an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode of Inspired for Impact, please share it with your friends and your colleagues. We'll have notes um, for you to follow up some of the some of the stories and the leads that Maladin spoke about. Until next time, stay safe.